What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 146, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Fallout. 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 Thank you very much, friends, for bearing with us. We had a little bit of life happen, and we had to take a break, and we had another planned break, but then this means that we had now two weeks of not recording. So getting back into the swing of things here, appreciate your patience. We dropped a little little goodness in our feed uh, last week. uh, one of our second chances, um, forever in a day, right? I think that was what that one. No, uh, no, I don't know. We recorded forever in a day a little bit ago. That's on Patreon. We'll talk about that in a minute, but whatever we did, we did goodness and it was fun, but friends, this is an independent podcast and you can support the show. If you'd like, uh, mention the Patreon, patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate, where you could listen to our recording of, uh, second chances forever in a day because we put it in there. Uh, if, uh, if you do that, you will have access to perks and privileges like all of our Patreon first stuff, Stargate Second Chances. That's where we rewatch episodes based off of your votes. Um, Zach and David do Stargate, uh, the, no, the other side of the gate, um, which is basically like large theme spoilerific stuff. I'm not allowed to listen to it, but, uh. Uh, people who have seen the entire series probably would in- just deeply enjoy their little nuggets of wisdom as they are just just exploring themes and spoilers and all sorts of good little stuff. And then because we are gluttons for punishment, we are also watching the Stargate Infinity animated television show from the early 2000s. Uh, Stargate Infinity, we lost a bet. So we're going episode by episode through that thing. And if you want to hear us go, wow. This is something else. Then uh, you can <laughs> you can get the access to that on Patreon as well. And if you are in a spot where you cannot or will not support us on Patreon, both are completely valid. Don't worry about it. All of our content eventually makes it onto our main feed. And when you have a friend in your life who says, "Dear friend, I I need it. I need I need more Stargate." And 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 Amazon is not making the new Stargate fast enough. How can I How can I enjoy more Stargate? You can say to them, well, I've got a really good podcast to recommend, you'll say. And you say, you go to your podcast aggregator and you type in walking through the Stargate and you'll be able to find them and they'll be there. And it'd be great. And there's 140-something regular episodes and a bunch more other episodes. I mean, the thing's just chock full of episodes. So yeah, yep. hundreds of hours of content to listen to. And... Uh, wow, that is amazing. It's actually true. It is actually is hundreds of hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We've recorded a lot. Um, anyway, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts oh. and Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts, la, la, la. So, Zach. Yes, Brent? If a person wants to let us know that we have precisely 280 hours, that's not how many, but you know what I mean, that we have exactly these many hours of content that would take a person above above time for, you know, whatever. I don't know, math. How might they let us know? <laughs> how might they let us know how to calculate that information? <laughs> so, dear listener, if you are the type of person that either just obsesses with numbers yes. or has a whole lot of extra time on your hands that you oh. don't know what to do with, no. then you can go to our podcast feed and add up and calculate all of the minutes and seconds and hours and all that for all the episodes and then tally that all up and figure out how much content we have actually produced uh, in this little podcast thing and once you have done that you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at (laughs) gmail.com 
which is spelled exactly as you would expect it to be spelled. Exactly as it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let us know what that is. Um, if yeah. you are one of those people that when I say you can email us, you're like, what is this old fangled thing called email? I don't understand. I'm way too young for that. Well, <laughs> you have other options. You can Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's 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 where the young people are. At. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Just ask Elon. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> or you can you know you can follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking, of course, and of course on the Facebook we've got the Facebook page and the Facebook group and all that fun stuff. You can also go to our website wtts.space. Space. And if you want to be where all the hip and cool people are, you can go to our website and get the link to our Discord page yeah. and er, p- channel channel. Uh, and join us on the discords and have conversations there are all sorts of different uh, sections in there where you can talk about general stuff and talk about the most recent episode and future episodes and spoilery stuff and not spoilery stuff and apparently we have a new channel or whatever it is uh, that's dedicated to stargate memes it's just it's just memes that's all it is it, it's, it's memes, memes after memes and if you like memes then that's the place <laughs> to be it's hopping the discord server starting to hop it there's is a lot of, there's a lot it of stuff is. going on there it's a lot of fun um, lots of fun yep um now one of the things you forgot to mention Brent, and i will pick it up here because this is a person who has been active in oh, the stargate memes I section did forget to we pick say that up. welcome to jennifer Hi, who jennifer. is our brandest newest patreon supporter so thank Woo! you very much jennifer thanks jennifer Woo-hoo! and speaking of patreon you of course can join jennifer and all of the other people who have decided to participate in the patreon by going to patreon.com slash walking through the stargate and joining us up on one of the tiers we've got joggers and sprinters and if you really want to go that hard you can go marathons mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. higher if you really really want to do mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. and when you do that you get you know access to all those patreon stuff at, right away and you get the chance to vote for episodes and all that fun stuff so brent Yes. Um, we still have a few episodes of the second chances that we need to fill out. Um, and then we've got others that are starting to creep up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're getting there. We do have a plan, dear listeners, to uh, square up that and get those out to you as soon as we can. But uh, as soon as we can, because we are both busy, busy people. The whole boy. Uh, <laughs> is uh, is, is yeah. not necessarily as, as fast as... Any of us would like it to be. No, 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 no. We were looking at our calendar going, yeah, yeah, here's our plan. And uh, spoiler, it stretches into months. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) And if there is, you know, a benevolent patron out there that wants to, you know, finance us uh, for the long haul, then, you know, we'll quit our jobs and do this full time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty pricey, but okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not actually expecting that to happen. <laughs> but hey, it could. It could it totally could. happen. Hey, it could happen. All right, Brent. Yes. Shall we dig into this episode, Fallout? Yeah, let's get into this. All right, so the director for this episode is... Martin Wood. This is his fifth of seven directing credits. Mm-hmm. He did Fallen and Homecoming and Revisions and Avenger 2.0. And now he is doing this. Uh, he's got a couple more coming up. If I recall correctly, I think those are the finale. The the, la- the two-part finale mm-hmm. is his. Yep. Um, so it'll be a couple weeks before we get to his name again. Anyway, the story for this episode is by none other than Corin Nemec. 
This was a fact that escaped me. I didn't see that in the, in the I mean, I didn't notice it in the title cards. Ah, well. But there you fair go. Fair enough. Yeah. There you go. Corin uh, Emick uh, gets a story credit for this. Uh, the teleplay, however, is written by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mulley. Uh, this is their fourth of five writing credits this season. They did Homecoming revisions in Avenger 2.0, and of course, have got one more later on. Mm-hmm. So we have several actors that we need to talk about. Uh, number one, obviously, Cornemic reprises his role as Jonas Quinn. We get Yay! to say hello to Jonas Quinn, complete with that boy band haircut. Holy Yo, boy. smokes! Yeah, it was that was mm, that was early 2000s right there. Oof. Oh, oh yes, yes it was. Uh, we have uh, Jillian Barber returning as, in this case, First Minister Draylock. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, she was just ambassador. We say hello to Emily Holmes, who plays Kiana Sear. Uh, this is uh, Jonas's love interest and mm-hmm. Guauld. Uh, she was born <laughs> in 1977 in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. She is known for things like Paycheck, Snakes on a Plane, and The Wicker Man. Okay. <laughs> um, didn't know she was on... I didn't watch Snakes on a Plane. I, I, I know, I'm know. i pretty sure I know what the plot is for Snakes on a Plane. So so the plot is mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson gets on a plane. Mm-hmm. And if you can believe it, somebody else puts snakes what? on the plane. What? Uh, I, I know. And, How many and are he there? has uh, uh, lots of snakes. Too many? Too many snakes. <laughs> and where were they again? On a plane. Oh, okay. With Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, and so he there's, a, is there's an expletive in there, I'm sick sure. Sick <laughs> of these stinking snakes on this stinking plane. <laughs> Oh, that was a good time. Thanks for thanks for playing along. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Dear child listeners, if you have no idea what I'm oh, talking about, talk yeah, to your don't. parents and they can assess that out for you. Uh, yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> and, and dear listeners, if you haven't seen Snakes on a Plane, don't bother. It's yeah, not I think that's worth it. The, I think that's probably the... the, the Unless, but you know, I mean, by no means is it a Velocipaster, but do you think it's like a, by the way, have you been seeing that Velocipaster is like getting really like popular right now? Well, they're planning on making a second one. Oh, that's so, well, unfortunately, I don't think the second one will be as good as the first one because it just can't be Uh, as good as the first one. (laughs) No. Dear listeners, if you appreciate a B movie... Oh boy! Uh, then the Velocipaster is for you. Oh, it's so bad and, and so hilarious. And if you're uncertain if this is the type of movie that you would appreciate, then I invite you to watch just the first five minutes. Yeah. Just yeah. get through five minutes. And if after five minutes you have decided, nope, this isn't for me, go ahead and turn it off and yep. no hard feelings. But if after five minutes you're like, OMG, then you will appreciate the other 83 minutes. Yeah, yeah. For for uh, for us, it was it was the first five minutes. We get through the first five minutes, and then we kind of look at each other, and we're like, what? With a smile. What is this? And then, yeah. <laughs> then it was a delight. It oh, yeah. A lot of fun. Yep, yep. Um, speaking of bad movies, Shark Avalanche or Avalanche Sharks. I can't remember. One of those yeah, two. Yeah, something. 
that is a terrible movie and not worth anybody's time. Uh, I mean, like the, but but it's a bad bad movie. No, so so it's like it, it's designed to be in a movie like like Velocipaster and that uh-huh. kind of quality. Yeah, it, it uh, mm. no 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 no. It just no. I mean, maybe it's your thing. Maybe it's your thing. But maybe you I, like sharks I, and avalanches. I, I don't know. Yeah, no. Mm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's get back to Emily Holtz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, she has appeared in numerous television series, including Night Visions, Mysterious Ways, The Dead Zone, uh, Dark Angel, and more. Uh, in 2002, she appeared in Steven Spielberg's Taken as Julie Crawford. And she also appeared in the webisode series uh, Battlestar Galactica, The Resistance, hmm. and also Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. Hmm. So she's been in all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Her first IMDb uh, credit was in the year 2001. Uh, she played Lita in the episode Jilly of Together, the series. And that's the number two gather the series. Great. That sounds fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that is Emily Holmes. We have Patricia Drake, who plays Lucia Tarthus. She is one of the ambassadors, council mm-hmm. members, whatever. Uh, she is known for John Tucker Must Die, Black Lagoon, and the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, her career has primarily been in the world of voice acting, so mm-hmm. she's got a ton of voice acting credits in her career and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Her first IMDb credit came in 1987 and 88 when she voiced uh, Kyoko's mother mm-hmm. in seven episodes of Maison Ikoku. Oh, which okay. is a, an anime series, and she did the English voice of the mother. Gotcha. There you go. Uh, and then we have now Julian Christopher. This is Vin Aramal. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, that's his natural beard. Oh, right? ho, ho. His, his beard just has that naturally, which I think is rocking awesome. Oh, yeah. That was an excellent beard. Um, that that is a killer beard. Anyway, he was born in 1944 in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He is an actor known for X Men: The Last Stand, mm-hmm. Elysium, and 88 Minutes. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, he was not actually born Julian Christopher. He was born Jim Watkins, but oh. later on in his career, he changed his name to Julian Christopher. Yeah. And I don't know exactly why, but his first IMDb probably, but his first IMDb credit is as Jim Watkins, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that in a minute. Interestingly, also uh, in this episode, he appears in this episode t- titled Fallout. He also appears in a Smallville episode of about the same time frame that was also named Fallout. I wonder if he came up with the title. I doubt it, but it's <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> Nice. Um, now, his first IMDb credit came uh, in 1972 in the movie Cool Breeze. He plays the character Travis Battle. Mm. 
Dread and a battle. cool breeze <laughs> is a movie about Thalmus, who is the leader for a group of criminals who gather in L.A. to rob a bank, and their goal is to find a new bank. So they come to L.A. to rob a bank, but their goal isn't to rob the bank, but to find a new bank. They're, they're probably like uh, standard bank robbers, and they oh. go to L.A. to uh-huh. find a new bank to rob. I, that's what I'm guessing. No, I'm going to go with a literal, a strict interpretation. They go to L.A. to rob a bank, but they say, no, 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 man. No, no, no. This, we're not going to rob a bank. No, no, no. We're going to find a new bank. And the camera pans across the street, and they go, we found it. And then the, that's at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a waiting for Godot type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's it's right. a short. <laughs> yes. Sure. Um, the original air date for this episode in the U.S. was January 23, 2004. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., they watched it uh, 10 days earlier on the 13th of January. On the, in, the in, the, in the U.K. In the U.K. I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, number one in the charts in the U.S. and the U.K. was still Hey Ya by Outcast and All This Time by Michelle. There you go. Still there jamming go. out. People are jamming out. Um, in the box office, we were watching movies like The Butterfly Effect, mm-hmm. Along Came Polly, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Wow, I do not remember that at all. Big Fish. Uh-huh. And the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. So, uh, I, I don't remember when a date with Tad Hamilton or Along Came Polly. I remember Along Came Polly, but I, don't, um, I didn't see it. But anyway, no, I'm not even sure I remember Big Fish. Is that a kids movie? No, it. Oh gosh, who made it? It's a surrealist. Nah, kind of surrealist movie. It's a good one. Okay. Uh, McGregor's in it, if I remember right. Oh, okay. Not a kids movie. Nope. I mean, it could be. Mm, who no. knows? I mean, I, I don't think it's like not for kids. I'm just saying like, no, it's. Yeah. Okay. So what was happening in the late Januarys of 2004? Mm-hmm. Well, on the 21st of January, Canada, in Canada, the residence of reporter Juliet O'Neill is searched by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police investigating leaks concerning the deportation of Maher Arar. Hmm. I don't remember any of that. I don't remember any of that either. Also on the 21st, NASA's MER-A. Is that how you say that? MER-A? I think so, but I don't know if I've ever seen it like that. Well, it's the Mars rover Mars something exploration rover, probably. Yeah. A. A. It ceases communication with mission control. Oh, dear. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm on Mars and I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I don't like you. Right. They figure out that the problem lies with flash memory management. You gotta manage your flash memory properly. But then they fix it remotely from Earth on January on February sixth. So hey, everything is all good. Like, the, that, okay, I'll talk to you now. The the um the <laughs> the software management of satellites and rovers just blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely blows my mind because if you think about it. Like, you have to be able to write part of the program into a different part of the program so that when it starts to write the program, it doesn't accidentally, like, write other parts of program. Like, it's just, we solve this with our regular computers by sticking in other media, like, putting in, like, USB drives. It's like, read off the USB. Like, it's, it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's just all fun. Fun and dandy. 
Also on January 21, the Minnesota Wild, it's an NHL team, set mm-hmm. an NHL record for two fastest goals when Jim Dowd and Richard Park score just three seconds apart in the final 15 seconds of Ooh. a 4-2 win. In a 4-2 win, they were tied with fifth, with 17 seconds, 18 seconds left? Holy cow. Wow. That had to yeah. be a heartbreak. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, uh, and, and, they you, were, they, the, and they beat the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, of course. Uh, I bet you that the second one was an empty netter, if I had to take a guess. I bet you that the first one, they went down 3-2, and so they pulled the goalie with 15 seconds or whatever seconds left, and they were like, you got to gotta get a fast goal, and then... And then uh, who was it? Who was the second guy? That? Richard Park got a hold of the puck and he's all like, ha! And that in Chicago. Yep. yep. There you go. A couple of days later, on January 25, NASA's Opportunity Rover, which is the Mer B, yep. uh, Mars, what is that? Uh, I was going with Exploration Rover, ex- but I have no Mars idea. Mars Exploration Rover B lands on the surface. So yep. A has just been running around. Spirit has been running around. And they're like, oh, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yep. And they're like, no, you have to talk to us. And it's like, okay, fine. I'll talk to you guys. Fine. And then Mer B lands. Although yep. it could be that the the uh, Opportunity Rover comes and brings a new flash memory for the Spirit and plugs it in and says, here. Sure. You know, it's like a Snickers. I you're mean, not you when you're hungry. Eat they're, this. They're, they're separated by... Hundreds and hundreds of miles, but yeah, sure, yeah, fine. Oppie Brent, came by and was all like, "Hey, spirit, Brent, do oh, not okay. ruin my imagination." Maybe, uh, maybe the oh gosh, what are the what's the 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 Talactans? Is that our bad guys in uh, Infinity? Uh, The the clan. Maybe the Taclan came by and we're all like, "Oh, we don't like this anymore." And they started to beat up on on Spirit, and then Oppie came in and was like. Like did some like you know, oh, and then that's a clown had to go away, and then and then I, and then spirit was was working well again. Could be maybe we'll see could an be. episode about that. Could be that, that yeah. could be, yeah. Um, on January twenty sixth, President Hamid Karzai signs the new constitution of Afghanistan, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also on January twenty sixth. Uh, for those of you who have uh, squeamish stomachs, pause this for like. 20 seconds no the, you can't pause it you got to skip it <laughs> skip it <laughs> skip the next 20 seconds yeah give a good 30 seconds yeah here you go a whale explodes in the town of tanin taiwan yuck uh, a buildup of gas in the decomposing sperm whale is suspected of causing the explosion ick Icky. ick indeed very ick yeah all right so uh those of you who fast forwarded welcome back Yes, welcome. Uh, now we move on to some trivia. Yeah. Uh, the trivia for this episode, Corin Nemec originally wrote the story with the title Turn of Events. Mm-hmm. And Joseph Balazzi said that <laughs> that title was applicable to pretty much every episode and would be like giving it the title Off-World Adventure or Fourth Act Twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, but Corin Emick pitched the basic story and wrote the outline for the episode, and then Joseph and Paul turned it into the final script. Gotcha. Yep. Um, now, if you noticed that we mentioned that Corin Emick has his most boy band of boy band haircuts, mm-hmm. 
and uh, his love interest, uh, uh, Kiana Sear, played by Emily Holmes, had a very similar hairstyle. Oh, yeah. And this was not intentional. And when uh, Joseph Malazzi saw (laughs) uh, the, uh, the dailies, he's like, oh, okay, this makes things a little bit weird. Uh, he says, Co- actor Corin Nemec pitched the story. Oh, this is okay. We'll get to that. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yes, this is the right one. I think it was a lot of fun. Although one element in the story didn't quite pan out. Specifically, Jonas Quinn's love interest, a fellow Langaran named Kiana. On the day the first dailies came in, we were horrified to discover that both actors had unnervingly similar hairstyles that, as a result, made them look like they were related in some capacity, mm-hmm. which, in turn, made some of the romantic scenes a little weird. Well, and it wasn't... I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm I guess I'm tipping my hand a little... Eh, maybe not. I don't know. I, I thought that there was something else. I didn't think that there was a relation. I thought that there was something else. Like, um... The first thing that came to my mind was like religion or something, right? Like they were both styled in such a similar way that it's like Jonas joined a cult or something. <laughs> <laughs> the cult of the boy band. Yeah, something like that. But um, but yeah. yeah. And so, so you're telling me that they couldn't, that no one on set could figure out a way to put like some product into, into, into Corin Nemec's hair in some other way to make it look different at all? <laughs> hey. I uh, just read what's on the page. Just read what's on the page, man. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, when they were talking to Corin Nemec about coming back, uh, he or his agent or somebody was like, so, you know, Corin has uh, hair that's a little bit longer, uh, you know, than, than it was the last time we saw it. We're like, oh, yeah, sure. It'll be no problem. They didn't worry about it. And then we saw the dailies and we're like, he and her, mm. her and he. Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> But they ran with it. So, um, now here's just a little interesting little tidbit here. Now, when they are drilling through the planet to set the bomb, they drill through into a magma tube. Mm -hmm. And the hole hits a temperature that can destroy the tunneler. But then they get through the magma tube and the temperature drops. However, magma is liquid rock. Mm -hmm. And they are drilling down. Mm-hmm. More or less straight down, mm-hmm. but maybe it's at a slight angle. Who knows? Whatever. It doesn't really matter, but it's still mostly down. And last time I checked, gravity pulls things down. Oh, sure. So now that I have dug through this liquid magma, this mm-hmm. liquid rock, mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. now reached the non-liquid stuff mm-hmm. and am digging a hole and all of this stuff, would not the liquid rock then begin to pour into said tunnel that no. I am digging and no. continue to overheat my device until we all die. No. 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 Would you like to know why? Uh, please, please, okay. please. At the beginning, <clears throat> they spin up the device and it starts to drill down, right? Drilling down, drilling down, yep. drilling down, drilling down. And so when you break apart dirt and rock, one way to call it is spoil, right? So you're digging and you're making spoil. Where's the okay. spoil going? I don't know. Mm. Please tell me. Well, if you think about it, spoil has to go somewhere, right? And so you probably would be chucking up the spoil all the way to the top of the of the hole so that you had a complete borehole all the way down, right? That's what you would probably think. Sure. But we clearly saw that there was not uh, like 
hundreds of cubic miles of spoil (laughs) (laughs) anywhere in that hangar. So then the spoil has to go somewhere else. Now, I see two options. One, we have magic where the spoil just disappears. Or two, the spoil They are using Toker Tunnel Crystal. This is true. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Okay, that's that's a that's a very good point because that matters. But the spoil could also just be transported through the device and then pooped out the back end. Meaning the tunneler is moving down into the earth and constantly digging out something in front, moving it towards the back and shoving it back out the back. Now, this also this plan makes no sense at all because now you got loose spoil on top of your digger machine, putting enormous pressure on it. I'm not saying this is a good plan, but it does solve the magma tube problem. Well, unless the the spoil is sufficiently loose. Um, now, here. Yeah, you do have a packing problem. That's very true. You know, you got to <laughs> also also like let's assume that that the tokatrit crystals don't get rid of all of the spoil. Yes, so there is some left. But now they do get rid of some of the spoil. Uh, but that means now what is being chucked out the backside, if that's what's happening to it, yep. is not of the same even uh, original density no. yeah, yeah, yeah. of the dirt before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is by no means is this a flawless plan, but it does say that they stopped up the tube behind them with dirt as they kept going down. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, put- I, I was I was all ready to say, ah, Brent, you have solved this problem. I'm good. And now uh, my, I, I'm still got some questions. I think you and I have put more thought into this episode than maybe anybody else did. Uh, you know, you know, <laughs> I'm not convinced that that's quite true yet. <laughs> OK. All right. <laughs> uh, OK. So uh, this episode uh, in other languages, the title of this episode in other languages, uh, the French call it Dangerous Alliance. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which, uh, you know, kind of implies that maybe things aren't going to be good. Okay, but anyway, okay. The Italians call it Imminent Disaster. Which, okay. Okay, you know, that actually fits. You know, that, that's Sort fine. of, but that's also, that's also a, I, I think I can hear Joe Malazzi saying, yeah, you can say that for any episode. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, the Spanish call it consequences. Now that's actually a really good episode. That that implies something, you yeah. know, because the consequences of what they're dealing with is because you know they blew a Nequadria bomb. Yes, uh, you know, don't just set things off willy nilly because you no. think you can. Uh, the Czech call it threat from underground. Okay, yeah. All right. The Hungarians call it imminence or peril. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the Polish call it cataclysm. Um, all of these are okay, fine, you know, you know. Okay. Now the Germans. Yeah. My dear friend Germans, call this episode Kiana's symbiote. Are you kidding me? It's right there. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna suggest Kiana's a ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh that's that's great that is really good <laughs> oh there you go yep they did it they oh, they did boy. it they just they just they just, just they just nailed it right in bonk yep <sighs> let, me you, let me give you the final twist here in the title <laughs> yep 
All right. I are guess you not ready? quite the final twist, but whatever. Anyway, yes. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you actually do learn about it relatively quickly that she's a Gua'uld, but still, that's supposed to be something that is marginally surprising. Yes. Um. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? Yes, I am. All right. Here we go. Hey, look at that. The gate is spinning and the iris is closing and an IDC is being transmitted. And oh, cool. It's from the Colonians. Does that mean Jonas is coming back? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly what it means. That's precisely Jonas what it means. Jonas is coming back. <laughs> and since we don't want our friend to turn into a bug splat on the iris, we should probably open that up. And with a palm to the palm scanner, the iris opens, and sure enough, Jonas arrives with the most boy band of boy band haircuts. I mean, it looked now, good. Okay. Before the meetings and the greetings, Jonas tells the general he has a problem. Uh-oh. Naquadria is not actually natural to Langara. That's the name of the planet now. Uh, more on that later. Apparently Thanos, uh, not Thanos, but Thanos, uh, and, and not a big giant purple, uh, you know, god from Titan who likes to snap his fingers. Uh, you know, this is something completely different. Uh, this Gua'uld who controlled Nangara way back in the day did something to change Naquita into Naquadria. And it's still happen- happening, only... Now it's happening to a vein of Naquita that is really deep underground and is moving deeper. And if the Naquadria gets deep enough, the inherent instability will go critically unstable as the heat and pressure make it go boom! Kaboom! And that's bad, folks. That's not good. And the resulting cataclysm, the, the bad part, will effectively destroy all life on Langara. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Now, Carter goes to Kelowna to help with the problem, and she meets Kiana Sear, Jonas's assistant slash scientific partner slash, uh, you know, hairstyle similarity person slash love interest. Meanwhile... Three representatives from Langara, one from each of the three main nations on the planet, arrive at the SGC to discuss options for the planet. They bicker and argue about who killed who. It's your fault! No, it's not your fault! Uh, did You did the thing that made us do the thing that now it's... Ah... Uh, uh, uh. And on and on and on they go. Suffice it to say, Jack gets annoyed... Daniel tries to tell him this is how diplomacy works. The SGC is offering limited relocation to another planet to save at least some of the people in the wake of the imminent disaster. The three representatives would like three different planets, one for each nation. The general practically rolls his eyes. Jack actually does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in Kelowna... Carter, Jonas, and Kiana are researching the problem when they are interrupted by an earthquake. And since the planet is called Langara, shouldn't be called a Langara quake? Ha 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 ha! Anyway, the results of their research reveals that the transformation of the Naquita into Naquadra did not begin thousands of years ago. 
In fact, it began only a couple years ago when the Colonians tested their Nequadria bomb. Well, that just leads to a whole nother round of bickering on the part of the representatives. It's your fault. No, it's not. It's your fault. If you didn't do the thing, then I wouldn't have had to do the other thing. And and then, oh, bicker, bicker, bicker. We want our own unpopulated <laughs> planet. That's dumb. You wouldn't survive without any infrastructure. And we're certainly not giving you three unpopulated planets. That's crazy. Look, we have this very nice planet with nice people called Madrona. We can send some of your people there. Bicker, 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 bicker. But don't worry. Carter has naturally come up with an idea. The Nequadra to Nequadria transformation will pass through a major fault line. And if they can set up a bomb to disrupt that fault line, it'll stop the transformation from continuing deeper and subsequently prevent the destruction of the planet. Huzzah! Hooray! There is just one teensy-weensy problem with this idea. It's a nuclear bomb? We have to get to 30 kilometers underground with a nuke. Which, the nuke, we don't talk about that, but that sounds like a bad idea. Anyway... It's clearly not going to turn the 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 the, the, the Naquita into Naquadria, right? No, well, we're not talking about that right now. No, no, so, like, if you get to the 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 uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we have a solution <laughs> for the problem of getting thirty kilometers underground. Oh, that's the problem. Okay, gotcha. That's right. Right. For the Colonians have been working on just such a digger for just such a problem as this. Jonas calls it a deep underground excavation vehicle, or a D-of. <laughs> Usually they just call it a digger. Uh, since the digger, though, is still experimental and not quite finished and can't dig fast enough to reach the target point, they need another piece to the puzzle. Jonas thinks about using some modified toker tunnel crystals to aid in the digger's digging capacity. And after a quick off-camera visit to the Tok'ra by Teal'c, we now have the crystals we need. And the representatives argued about this too. Are we seeing a pattern yet? Yeah. Okay, I'll just check it. Just check it. Now, Carter examines the digger and questions some of the design choices. They look an awful lot like Gwamuld configurations. Now, Jonas is in full-on denial mode. Kiana was the one who really worked on the digger. Could she be a Gulwuld? No, no, it's not possible. It can't possibly be true un- until it is possible. Sure enough, they find a Gulwuld communication device in her quarters, and the jig is up. She's a Gulwuld. She's working for Ball. Now, despite being discovered, the Gulwuld still wants to help with the project to save the planet. But Jonas rejects the help, and the guards take her away. Take her away. Sam and Jonas run some tests on the excavator slash diov slash digger, but things don't look good. They need the Guawuld's expertise, and so Kiana joins the team along with some extra muscle in the form of Teal'c. Back on Earth, the representatives continue their time-honored strategy of bickering with each other about everything. This time it has to do with blame and ball. Yes, they're still blaming one another for this disaster. And yes, Ball has contacted Kiana waiting for a check-in. And since she's now on the excavator, she can't check in. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. 
This is a problem. Finally, Jack has had enough of it all, and he tells them that they're done. You see, we actually like the Madronans, and we don't want to subject them to you anymore. Relocation is off the table. Sorry, folks. Not... The delegates are stunned. No, this won't stop their bickering. Though it does seem to slow it down a little bit. Back in the digger, they deal with different problems, but they handle what's thrown their way. Kiana still has feelings for Jonas, and Jonas is sickened by what she is. A goa-wooled parasite. Blech. Blech. And still the fact remains that he did have feelings for her, and he never met Kiana before the goa-wooled had taken her as a host. Nope. Still blech. And then they run into a river of magma. The magma. hole gets really hot. The digger takes damage. They're gonna die! Oh, wait, they manage to dig through the magma river and things return to normal. Magma. Whew, that was close. Magma. Say it with me. <laughs> magma. <laughs> Liquid magma. Liquid magma. You, mm. you, you need your quotation hands. Liquid magma. magma. <laughs> Yes, friends, both of us. I didn't even see. I don't know if Zach did it. I know he did, though. <laughs> oh, I totally did. Yep, me too. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, okay. So, that is. Okay, so things are back to normal. That is, until the digger stops digging. What do you Was do with a quotes? digger that's not digging? Sorry. Sorry. It, carry it on. I'm sorry. Carry on. Sorry. Uh, go, go, go. Honestly, I didn't hear what you said. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so. Is a digger that's no longer digging still a digger? Anyway, apparently the blades were damaged by the magma. <laughs> and they have gone down as far as they can. Unfortunately, it's not far enough. They have failed! Or have they? They still have some Tok'ra tunneling crystals. And they can use them to tunnel a narrow tunnel deep enough to reach their goal. But... The toxicity would kill whomever attempted to crawl down the tunnel and set off the nuke. Of course, Kiana volunteers. She's convinced her symbiote will protect her. They don't really trust her, but they also don't have many other options, and so they all agree. They give the gold a nuclear device and send her down a two-kilometer tunnel of toxicity. So they make the tunnel. Kiana goes down the tunnel. She plants the bomb. In the meantime, the excavator is running out of power. Oh, no. And they need to start heading up soon. Oh, yes. Kiana is dying and tells them to leave her. But the good guys don't do that because, you know, they're good guys. The good guys do the good guys thing. So they climb. And so apparently the, the yelling into a walkie-talkie to climb is enough to convince the one who says, I am done. I can't do it anymore. She says, okay, fine. She climbs and she climbs and she climbs. And just before she gets to the top, Tuke is like, well, maybe she's just dead and we should go. And then all of a sudden you hear a bang, 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 bang. And hey, look at that. She's there. And she manages to get into the digger just before the power reserves dip below the red line. And they turn everything up and they ascend to the surface. And we don't even hear about anything with the magma in the nope. way up or nothing. They detonate the nuke. And sure enough, the day is saved. Yay. The Langarans can return home. Kiana actually survives, but the ghoul dies saving her. Jonas and Daniel have a very brief conversation at the gate, and Jonas and Kiana then walk through said gate. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Fallout. Yeah. How would you uh, 
no, talk we're not going to do that yet. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to read it yet. Oh, man. So, Zach, I've seen the movie The Core. Do you remember that movie? 2003. Uh, Hillary Swank, I think, was in it. Uh, the, the Earth... The Earth had to have its core restarted with nuclear weaponry, and the only way they could do that it was with a digger. Yep. Down to the core they go. Yep. They run into magma. Magma. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I saw that movie. Um, this wasn't that movie. Um, that movie wasn't good either. And <laughs> so, yeah, what did... Oh, man, so... so this is unfortunately the reality of having a couple of weeks to really sit and think about it. <laughs> because... <laughs> Firstly, I had to remind myself what episode we watched in anticipation of recording a couple of weeks ago because I had flat out forgot. Well, and I'm you like, know, frankly, right. I had to rewatch the episode last night. I, I so and I, could- I was thinking about watching it a second time, but you know the rules. I only watch it once. And so, um, yeah, so, did they? Did I, so I, I guess I'm glad to learn that Corin Nemec wrote the story because when I was watching it, I was just darn frustrated with what just looked like sloppy handling of the character of Jonas. Um, Like the situation was just peculiarly like he's constantly living with like the threat of his home world getting annihilated. And then they, 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 so this story decides to risk his home world and their fragile alliance and his love interest and his life and his reputation like all of it starts going on the line and he's expected to just be cool, calm and collected. Joe. I mean, he, he gets angry, but he doesn't like lose it and he doesn't crumble into a heap. Like he just, he's just like, Oh man, I thought you were different. Well, I got to go save the world. It was just kind of flat. And I was, <laughs> and I was like, no, no, if, if I'm having an opportunity to have a proper goodbye to Jonas, give me something better than this. Okay. All right. Corin wrote it. So, well, when I watched the episode, when I got to the end, I said to myself, man, uh, I'm not really a fan of how they've treated Jonas Quinn. I really wanted them to treat him better than this. This is like not helping. Th- oh, oh, the person who embodied his the Jonas mind came up with this story. OK, fine. Um, and this story is not that good. It's too there's too much writing on the line. There's too many. um gotchas sort of and you know what i mean like the mm-hmm. the, the it, like each one of these little notions is not that bad of an idea per se but all of them inside one episode that just feels like and then and then wait and then their chairs turn into gold and then they turn into kings of the underground like they might oh as well gone there right like it, it was just it was just constantly one-upping itself or at least it seemed like it was culminating in the climax where where the one up of the noble death gets one upped by actually just kidding she doesn't die (laughs) (laughs) it it just and then the one up of they actually do make it with 50 percent reserve i mean like it was just so much um so no i didn't like this episode and at first i was a little bit upset about how how the writers treated the jonas quinn character and i thought that this was kind of a kind of a uh, not that great I keep I, I have no idea if this is the last time I'll see Jonas Quinn. They they didn't they didn't book it. They didn't close the book on that one. But on the other hand, I got to assume that this was the send off. And so, OK, all right. So this is the send off. 
And so now I am examining this from the framework of, no, no, this is exactly what Corrin wanted for the character of Jonas Quinn. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it was heroic, but it was almost too heroic. Um, you know, like it, that they had conveniently built this exact device needed to do this mission for other purposes, of course, but like, no, we can use it for this. And then, and then there was just like all the... I don't know. There was just, like I said, there was, it was just busy. It was just too much going on. And no one part of it was particularly heinous, but it would have been a better episode if they had decided it was a political drama and focused on that. Or it would have been a better episode if they had decided to focus on the Nakwada to Nakwadria conversion mystery and focused on that. Or it would have been a better episode if it was a, if it was a, we have to get down 32 kilometers into the crust or the core to do a thing. I would not have liked that one as much, but you know, like, <laughs> or what probably would have been darn good would have been an, um, a, uh, uh, you know, Jonas love interest is actually a ghoul story. You know, you can have some adventure in that one, but like, just kind of make that the main part. And how do yeah. you deal with that? Cause, cause another, another part of this thing is that this episode does technically introduce a lot of new information. Technically, like Nequadria isn't naturally occurring. Nequadria can be made by doing stuff to not to Nakwada and that Nequadria is, um, you know, if you do this to a particular planet, then, you know, you get yourself a, a time, depending on the distribution of Nakwada, you get yourself a timeline of just years before the planet is just done. That's kind of interesting. Well, that's that's only depending on how deep the veins are. I mean, this particular vein of Nakoda that was converting goes too deep. But if you had surface level veins of Nakoda and you turn that to Nakwadria, sure. then you'd be okay. But I guess, yeah, that's that's one hundred percent right. the 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 new information, though, is that any old Nakoda can be turned into Nakwadria. Yes, you know? that's true. Um, that's actually hugely important, I think. Um, and then we also have the new information of of I have never seen a noble ghoul ever. Like, have I? I mean, you have come, you came close, um, but not that close. He was still very much self-interested. Um, here we have a, a ghoul saying, no, really, I'm different. And I'm willing to buy it. I really am. I'm willing to buy it. But that's a big deal, dude. <laughs> We've just yeah. spent six and a half years thinking that these guys are like they they have perfected the art of being the bad guy to the point of that they can't be any other way and it's fine it's okay but here we have a no really i'm 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 good um you can trust me on this one and they do and she proves trustworthy this is extremely interesting or colossally criminally unimportant um, so why such a wide gap? It's because this is a big, big, big deal to the, to the, to the, to the, um, story arc, to the, to the universe of Stargate that it's possible that we could have ghoul not Jaffa, ghoul who are noble enough to be willing to stand up against the bad parts of the system lords, basically. Um, that's, I don't know. That's just, just massive for me. Or we're going to basically ignore that. <laughs> at which point, <laughs> at which point, well, then what the heck was this about? <laughs> I got a bad feeling it's going to be the latter. Maybe it'll be the former. We'll see. But 
like, oh, gosh, Dean, like, it's okay to have the story go, actually, she's a ghoul-wooled, ha-ha-ha, and then have her be bad. Like, that's okay. Like, we don't have to redeem that love arc. We can have Jonas be disappointed. We can have him be crushed. I didn't I didn't want that, but, you know, he could do it. So then I guess, Zach, did this episode get made as a favor? Is that is that what I'm seeing here? Because the story is really... It's so like, like, what am I trying to think of? It's so like a space Western, not a space Western, space opera. There we go. It's so like a space opera. Like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger with every single scene. And it ends with the heroes all saving the day and the guy gets the girl. Like, like that's how it ends. Um, so, then, well, yeah. so then who thought this was going to be a compelling piece of television? Did they, did Corin pitch something and they were like, yeah, we really did give you the shaft. So sure. We'll make this one. So, um, this is an episode. I mean, even at, once, uh, Jonas left, uh, and Corin left the team and all of that stuff. Uh, they had always been looking for a way to bring him back. So sure. it wasn't just a throw him a, a you know a bone and just kind of give him some, uh, type of thing. They were actually looking to create a good story for him. Uh, did they do that? No, no, <laughs> no. no uh, there, it's not like if you don't think too hard about this episode, <laughs> if you squint, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean. I mean, so there, there's a, there are a lot of good things about here, this episode. Sure. I mean, one, uh, the Madronans are, are talked about again. Uh, that's the planet with the touchstone people. Um, and even though they're just mentioned ever so briefly, uh, that's just kind of a nice little nod. Yeah. Um, uh, but then, you know, we learn a lot of things here. What uh, Nequadria, uh, we actually learn why Nequadria is only on this one planet. Uh, right. Because... You know, Thanos yeah. manufactured it here, and it blew up in his face. Um, uh, but then the reason nobody else knows about it is because it blew up in his face. Right. Um, you know, so, but then if you take this information and uh, apply it elsewhere, you could get Nequadria other places as well. Yep. Um, which is almost certainly what Kiana was supposed to be doing on some level. Um, although we do learn that she was being sufficiently nefarious to not have not tell her boss Ball what was going on. So right. when this episode ends, we are at least safe knowing that Ball still does not have the secrets of Nequadria, which is probably a good thing. Um uh, you know, we get to see the the politics like after Anubis comes. Uh, you see that, oh, okay, so they did actually come together and form some sort of uh, global unified government, but not surprisingly, uh, with the bad blood that was there before, it's still there now. That all makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Um, it's good to see Jonas again. Yes. Uh, the whole digger is just a little bit beyond, for me, uh, plausibility. We've got a culture... That is, yeah, you know, yeah. in 1950s yeah, land. Right. Um, now, admittedly, in the 1950s and 60s, we were doing everything we could to build rockets to the moon. And we managed to do it in the 1960s. True. Um, which, 
by all rights, technologically, we shouldn't have been able to do that, but we did. So I guess, you know, if they had poured all of their energy into this, um, however, um, like they had in a previous episode talked about having mined all of their Nequadria. And if you've mined all of your Nequadria, why are you spending 50% of your defense budget building a machine to dig out more Nequadria? I mean, maybe because they found more. Wasn't that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess I don't know what the timeline is for all sure. of this. Yes. But. Acknowledged. Um, there's something hinky to use a term <laughs> from a previous episode going on here. Is that right? a word? Yeah. Yeah. You know. uh, so, um, yeah, you're right. Kiana is something of a noble Gua'uld um, that, I don't know, Then now she's dead, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, wait a minute. She died? The Gua'uld died. Oh, the Gua'uld. That's, oh gosh, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot so, so, about that part. So so he gets the girl. Yes. But but he's never met the girl. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We have never had a situation where a ghoul, the symbiote has died and the and the and the and the host survives. Have we had one instance of that? Uh n- not from a standard ghoul. No. No. Uh, oh my gosh, I forgot. Wow, that this episode just got worse. <laughs> um you know, I mean, there, there's that would actually be interesting. I mean, it makes sense that you know, given all that happened, that the symbiote would have died. Um, what what doesn't make sense is that she's basically like, even if you thought about this body, you know, and wanted to save her, she's toast too. So I'm sorry. Oh, and then by the way, she's not. Ah. It, um. They got. Uh, it really feels like they got cold feet. That right? they wanted to kill her, but they didn't want to kill her. Something like that. Yeah, who knows? Um, honestly, well, it's one of those situations where, uh, you know, you have some people like like Martin Wood likes it when the characters lose. Yeah. Um, but the the upper uppity ups are a little bit squeamish about our heroes in the show losing. Yeah. Um, you know, like so, for instance, in the episode Red Sky, way back when, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is when Carter right. takes the wormhole straight through the sun. Yep. Um. Uh, Martin Wood, you know, banged the table to um, actually just let the planet die. Yeah. And have them literally lose. Uh, but then in that episode, uh, they didn't solve the problem. But then maybe the, the Asgard came in there and tweaked some things and then the people are saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, who knows? I, I don't know for sure if in this episode he banged the gavel for... Uh, Kiana to actually have died, but uh, the fact that uh, the human survives but the ghoul dies uh, does seem to be a little bit mm, hmm, yep suspect. Oh gosh, um, right? You know, um, and then I mean, on a practical level, like okay, so you you set off a nuke on a fault line of your planet, right? Um, I mean, I understand the necessity for this, but. I mean, maybe the fallout <laughs> is never seen because 
I don't know. I'm not a seismologist, you know. I don't know things for sure. And if you, dear listener, are some sort of seismologist or you do that as a hobby or whatnot and you know what's going on here with this fault, it strikes me that setting off a nuke on a fault line would have some major consequences for everybody up top. I mean, maybe not quite so major as, you know, uh blowing up the entire country and, you know, killing off all life on the planet. Um, uh, so, you know, your degree of bad here, right? So we're, we're significantly, you know, orders of magnitude less bad. Yes. But still, um, you know, we are now... I guarantee that that one person who lives in that one house who lost his entire family with the resulting nasty quake and everything does not care that the whole planet was saved as a result of this. Right. Yep. Now, I mean, like, it just, there's too much about it that, it, 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 yeah, it, it, it's, um, now, but that said, I seem to recall, and this is where I'm a little bit out of my depth, just because, like, I always kind of accidentally misuse the term melodrama, but is this not a melodrama, this one? I mean, no, I'm sorry. Does this not, if you put on your melodrama lens, does this one not at least start to make a little bit more sense? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, with within your melodrama experience, you've got, I mean, you don't quite have the mustache twirling bad guy here, but, mm, right. um, you know, you do have the hero who has to save the, the heroine and, and he does that, although she does as much to save herself as anything else, which is frankly a good thing, um, yeah, in the world of things, um, you know, in, in the in the terms of the melodrama, you've got uh, a situation where it is absolutely ridiculous and the bad guy does this thing that would be absolutely ridiculous and it would never work, and yet it does work or it doesn't work, or you're, you know, whatever. Um, uh, there, there are certainly melodramatic elements. Mm-hmm. Does that save it? Hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to go to bat to say that it saves it, but... And, and I don't think that they intended to make a melodrama. I'm just acknowledging, uh-huh. like, yeah, it's melodramatic. Yeah, uh, no, I I don't think that that it it saves it. No. Um. Now, all this said, as I I don't think it is a horrific episode. Well, no, it's not. That's actually kind of it. Almost makes it worse. That yeah, it's not uh, horrific. You know, um, I appreciate the acting. I I actually really appreciate um both O'Neill and uh Hammond in this episode. Uh, and actually, Daniel, right? Daniel is doing what yeah, Daniel yeah. is done. Daniel is trying to get these people to, you know, come up with a, a, an agreement with something. And and then Daniel, or the Jack doing what Jack does and and uh, Hammond supporting him. I appreciate this. This actually fits really well. And I, I like how it goes where he's like, nope, that's it. We're done. We're not mm-hmm. sending you there. We're taking that off the table. You either live or you die based on this other thing over here. Uh, which, on a storytelling level, adds the tension of what they're doing, but also it's very practical because these people are absolutely big fat jerks. Yeah, yeah. So that that's what I got. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's much more to say about it. Um, I think I might have a tad more to say if we. This sounds like I'm. I don't know. I don't think this is going to sound like I'm blaming. I'm just acknowledging that I think I might have had a little bit more to say had we recorded when we intended to record. Because for me now it's been a couple of weeks. But yeah. But. Um, but I think that the my my sort of my opener is pretty much exactly where I stand with this thing. It's forgettable. 
And that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's that's a bummer because there was a lot going on. There was major information that could have been propelling the story forward. And I just doubt that it's going to matter. And it just feels like an also ran, which really, truly, I don't like feeling because I wanted I want to like Jonas Quinn. I thought he was a I thought he was a pretty interesting character. Again, I'm assuming that this is the last time I see him. I don't know one way or the other, but I thought he was a pretty interesting character that was developed to uh, that that they kept trying on different angles with the character in the course of the one season, and they didn't let any one idea s- just f- sit long enough for it to fit. I think I think that many of the ideas were very interesting. Um, the most interesting of them was towards the end where he's like basically a super person in a way. Like yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. Like we can examine that a little bit further. Um. And it would have been compelling storytelling and it would have fit within the Stargate universe, but like they just didn't let it sit long enough. And then here we are. He's saving the world again in this weird way. I would say that my biggest complaint for this episode, more than anything else that really is just that uh, like you, I mean, Jonas Quinn was never my favorite character, but I liked him. Right. Uh, And I liked the character. I, I, they didn't quite know what to do with the character early on. But then they started to develop that as the season progressed and all that stuff. And then we get this episode, which is clearly some sort of, hey, let's remember that character. Let's let's really dig into that. Let's, t- let's tell something to him. Uh, if this ends up being the last episode, let's give him a nice send-off. Right. And um, the, the, the best we get for him is that he gets to kiss the girl. Yeah, um, they do. And, you know, that, that doesn't... They could have done. I mean, it's just another example of not quite doing the character justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's my thoughts. Well, yeah, Brent. Yes, it is that time when I ask you, how many chevrons are you going to give Fallout? Ah, uh, this is a tough one. Um, because while I didn't like it, there was still stuff that. I liked watching, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It didn't quite, it didn't come together at all. It is definitely, it definitely felt like an episode where they put flour and eggs and sugar and butter on the counter and then said, make a cake. And it didn't. Um, <laughs> and, and then they, and then they looked at it and they went, mm, not cakey enough. So they put in like, you know, uh, chocolate chips and uh, some like, uh, frosting and sprinkles on the counter. And they said, okay, more cakey. And it didn't make a cake. Um, and so, you know, and so all these little bits and bobs were very, very, they could have been good, um, but they didn't, they didn't, it didn't come together like a story. It came together like a, like a, and then this happened and then that happened and then this happened. But each one of those sentences was like grander than the last. And yeah, it's forgettable, and I don't like that it's forgettable, but it is forgettable. Um, I'm going to give this a three out of seven, which is probably higher than I should give it, but I can't bring myself to give it a two. Um, yeah. <laughs> just because, yeah. just because it's like, ah, I mean, because I mean, it didn't. It, it, it's not rotting. It's like it's not so bad. That I'm holding my nose, but it's not good. It's not good. So I'm giving it a three out of seven. How about you? Uh you know. I, uh, I I think I got to agree with you. I think this is just kind of a three. I, I, there's a part of me that wants to give it a half Chevron more because, 
you know because you're a generous soul i'm a generous soul (laughs) um but you know i mean it's not a skippable episode because you know in the season seven when you don't have jonas it is an episode to to say hello to jonas again uh unless you absolutely hated jonas in the first place then you could probably skip this episode um yeah but uh you know an egg and flour and milk and sugar uh, <laughs> yeah. does not a cake make right without something more. Um, yeah. I'll just give it a three. That's all. Just a three. All yeah. right. Yeah. So, Brent. Yes. Now is the time for predictions. And yeah. now I have to go oh, finding yeah. no, them. I've got- I guess so. yeah, me too. I I uh, I I uh, need to. I apparently need to log into Twitter, so I got to do that. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Here we go. Okay. Okay. We're we're moving along here. Uh, and then there's that, and then this, and then that, and this is great audio. I'm sure that people are just thrilled to death with this audio. Okay. Now I got to go to my profile. You see, because it's been so long. All right. Oh, we only have one. I only got one. That's sweet. I'm happy that I only have one, but let's see here. Let me guess. Oh, yes. It's from Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Uh, Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. This is from forever ago. This is from April 9th that he wrote this. So, you know, something, something, Fallout, something, 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 Skyrim, something, something, but I'll tell you more about it on Facebook. And he says, parenthesis, I don't know. I couldn't think of anything clever to say, but I couldn't deny Brent this chance to read something. The Skyrim thing. I'm not sure. Skyrim? Hmm. Did I make a Skyrim reference? Did I make a Skyrim joke? It's been so long. Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? All right. That's all we got on the Twitters. Thank all you, right. Kevin. Uh, well, we've on the Facebooks, we start with Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Uh, Jonas Quinn is back with a new hairstyle, which I'm sure is very hip in Kelowna. It turns <laughs> out the Langarians have effed up their planet and yep. need help relocating before the whole thing blows. Except they'd rather fight about whose fault it is than actually work on saving themselves. Typical. You know what we could really use here? A giant drill! Fortunately, the Colonians have one. Designed by Jonas's new girlfriend, who is a little too good at all this science stuff. (laughs) Surprising no one, she is a secret Gua'uld who wants to save the planet for her own reasons. But... She's also really into Jonas because he's just that irresistible. Fortunately, <laughs> their weird bond saves the day and everyone lives happily ever after, except the Gould, who is toast. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It's such a bad plot hole. Uh. Oh, yeah. All right, they continue. Maybe it's just because I'm sick, but I don't know how to judge this episode. Let's say a five from Brent and a five and a half from Zach. This episode has an IMDb rating of 7.5, which is four chevrons, putting it in the bottom half of Stargate episodes overall. How did it get that many? Whatever. Fine. Fine. Yep. Uh, We have uh, Jen. Hi, Jen. And this is our newest Patreon supporter, Jen. Ah, hello, Hello. All right. She says, for me... This is one of those episodes that I could watch and immediately forget about it afterwards. <laughs> I'm honest. I rewatched all of SG-1 a few months ago, and I couldn't remember anything about the episode apart from Jonas's pre-emo hairstyle. Yep, yep, 
Yeah. Also, a canny resemblance to early Justin Bieber. Yikes. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a good read. Honestly, he looks like a 13-year-old like this. I'm not going to debate that at all. Okay, I'm getting mean here. I really do like Jonas, and he was a sweet guy in season six, but this episode is totally falling off my radar. I guess the only positive thing I have to add about this episode is that it's nice to revisit Jonas and that he's getting himself a ghoul-wielded girlfriend. Just a thought, why couldn't Sam sense her presence? I can't remember whether it oh, was gosh. explained in the episode. So oh, I will say that that she teeth. was using that 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 uh, medicine. She had those that that syringe oh, that was being used to like hide her presence. So they they oh, do. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I get they that, do sure. offer that, but they don't talk about why that's important. Yeah. But they they do answer that. Oh anyway. Um. Let's see here. I can't remember whether it was explained in the episode. For me, this episode is skippable. Although I don't skip episodes as a general rule. So, during every we watch, I forget that this one exists. <laughs> the plot was weak-ish, yet it wasn't alarmingly bad. In a scale from okay to met to please make it stop, to emancipation bad. Right. I'd rate this episode as a three. It keeps me yep. not falling asleep for 45 minutes, and we get a really emo-looking Jonas as a plus. <laughs> for Brent and Zach, I really, really don't know... Brent surprised me so much with his appreciation for Grace. Thumbs up for that. Nope. Zach mostly rates episodes similarly to how I would rate it. I really hope they found it more entertaining than I did. So my rating for Zach and Brent will be wishfully positive. Zach will give this four <laughs> chevrons and Brent will give this five because he likes the Jackson Jonas Quinn dynamic. Oh, yeah. And did anybody notice any similarities story-wise to The Core movies oh, yeah. from the early aughts? <laughs> it's actually a nice breather episode before we get into really intense episodes following the weeks afterwards. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Okay. Cool. Um, so, there you go. You Thank know, you, Jen. Jen, if you had just gone with your own gut, you would have gotten my prediction correct. This is true. However, uh, I do like being a bit of an agent of chaos to a degree, so... Well, yeah, you know, for somebody who is far more lawful than I am, you are an agent of chaos. This is how, I mean, but this is how I express my chaotic nature. It's I this. Yeah. Okay. Well, we now have Tim. Hi, Tim. First, I am glad that someone pointed out that it is a bit odd that Jonas and his girlfriend have the same hairdo. Mostly just glad I am not the only one to have noticed. I think this one is above average, so I will give it a five. I like that we have something more with Jonas than just, hey, we got Daniel back, so we need you off the show now. That's true. Mm-hmm. It is sad, but realistic, that even with the three countries nominally working together, they still don't trust each other. Uh, we also get a bit more depth from the Guawuld. She may be a megalomaniac, but hey, she is a me- megalomaniac with the heart of with a heart of gold, which by definition means that she can't be a megalomania. Anyway. I think plot holes and scientific inaccuracies will bother Brent this week, so he will give it a four, <laughs> and Zach will like it just a little bit more and give it a th- four and a half. Nah, no, not quite. Um, he continues. Also, as an aside, the tone for when my parents text is... Uh, the tone for when my parents text parents text is... Jack saying, oh, for crying out loud. As it turns out, the sound clip is from this episode. 
It made my wife and me giggle so much that we had to listen to it again. I almost want to give it a six just for that, but I will stick with a five. <laughs> oh, that is, that's, that's beautiful. Oh, that I is love good. It. I like it. All right. We have Justin. Hi, Justin. Justin says, I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I miss Jonas and I don't, I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'd miss Jonas, baby. And I don't want to miss a thing. Hate that song. Hate it. Hate it with a passion. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, you're fine. You, you're fine. Uh, Justin continues. <laughs> Armageddon comes to the planet governed by Karens. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Forget it. You're not getting anything. Wait, what? What? <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. While half of SG-1 bust out the contractually obligated tank tops for a steamy, sexy descent into the ground. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the yeah. other half are stuck in negotiations. Why was Jack allowed in there? Oh, yeah. As the continuing, ever-present theme of politicians are bad, unless Hammond has them on the red phone to call in a favor. I would give Jonas's hair eight chevrons because I'm a misty <laughs> and can appreciate such things. But Brent will say four chevrons and Zach three keeps circulating the tapes. Alas, super close. Yes. Uh, next, we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. From the Twitters, Kevin. He says, hi, Zach, and hi, Brent. Hey, Jonas is back, and he has, and he and his girlfriend have matching haircuts. Isn't this episode nice? is okay. Nothing special. I'd rather watch the 2003 movie The Core if I'm in the mood <laughs> for this kind of movie. But even mm -hmm. though this episode is more or less skippable, I did, of course, have a few thoughts while watching. Mm -hmm. One, there is very obviously an earthquake, and the first thing Carter asks is, what was that? Come on, Carter, you're a super <laughs> genius. You know what an earthquake was. In fact, you would be able to explain it in great detail. <laughs> True. Good catch. Number two, Madrona. Isn't that the planet from the Touchstone episode? Mm -hmm. Why on earth is that planet being brought up again? Sure, they can control the weather, but didn't seem too advanced when we met them the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, fine. Number three. Those Tok'ra tunnel crystals must be quite advanced if the team is able to focus them somehow. I didn't know you could focus a crystal. Well, but I thought... Yeah, th yeah, I'm not going to bicker, but yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're yep. not wrong. <laughs> and number yeah. And number four, the awkward moment when you go off world with the guy that you used to hook up with while your body was possessed. I know the Tokra share feelings and attraction. Do the Gua will do the same with their hosts? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure next week will be better, right? Uh, right. I predict five and five. Oh, oh okay. and Brent last week mm -hmm. said, uh, last week I said something in my review that left you interested. You'll see what I was talking about next week. How's that for being vague? Oh, what a teaser. And not only that, but it's been so long for me. I don't even I remember it. And, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. Uh, Rowan then says, is it really an earthquake if it doesn't happen on Earth? Shouldn't a good science person be calling it a seismic tremor or something? Oh, that's a good point. I mean, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the the response is, but a planet quake doesn't sound nearly as cool. No. That's why I went with Langaran quake. A Langaran. It's a Langaran quake, obviously. Obviously it is that. Now, we do have some email. Yeah. Because some of our people like to. We will begin with Kimberly. Kimberly, Kimberly. says, I thought Brent would rate last episode a lot lower because of the implication that a woman, no matter how successful and intelligent, truly wants in her heart of hearts a man and children, and we all know he's a champion of equality, even though Tapping's acting was phenomenal, but that's last episode. Yeah, no, I mean, I had a problem with it, but, you know. Yeah. I was choosing to be generous, and I stand by it because, you know, like each individual person, it's just, it's just, it's just. Boy, was that convenient that uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> Second time I've said that. <laughs> yep. uh, Kimberly continues. We see Jonas Quinn again. Um, it's great to see different Gould personalities and that common underlying superiority complex that underlines the entire species. And we have another case like Carter where the symbiote dies to save the host which could have so many future implications. Mm-hmm. Good buildup for the badness of, of Ball, which also might be a spoiler solid episode. Okay. Uh, five for Brent and five from Zach. Yeah. Yeah. I, no. I you know, <laughs> I, 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 okay, dear listeners, I will fully admit that right now, as I watch this episode, I was feeling a little salty. Um, and so I may have rated this a little bit harsher than I might have in a different situation, but there you go. I will stand by my three. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the rules of the project. It is, unless it We've gets to second them. chances. And yeah, then and then there's that. We can change. Okay, we have Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Last fall, my sister binged SG-1. When she got into season six, I asked, what do you think of Jonas? She replied, he's trying so hard. He's been doing all right since he left SG-1. New job under a new United Planetary Government. New hairstyle, new co-worker who doubles <laughs> as love interest. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, uh, <clears throat> never mind. <clears throat> it's amazing how much lower the stakes are when somebody else's planet is going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when the planet's own leaders resort to partisan bickering with every discovery. Involving Jack in anything diplomatic is good for acebic quips uh, that lighten the mood, but bad for actual diplomacy. Jack has hit peak old white man vibes. If he doesn't personally see a benefit, he's not going to put in the work. Not exactly what you want to see in the leader of the premier off-world team. True. We get more history on the relationship of Nequadria and Naquita. It's artificially created and unstable, and now we're stuck with scavenging Guawuld engines for hyperspace capability for the Prometheus for the time being. Plus, the smaller F-302s probably aren't going to get interstellar capabilities anytime soon. Oh, hey, we have a Guawuld that gets a redemption arc and romantic feelings. That's new and worth a discussion. Five from Brent and five and a half from Zach. Ah, uh, no, sorry. 
Yeah. We, Alas, we, no. We apparently were harsh on this episode relative to what other people are thinking. Yeah. Well. It, it happens. And now we have David. Hi, David. Buffering for my bias against Jonas's encoded haircut. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, he says, this is a forgettable episode. In fact, I was having trouble remembering that this episode even existed. Like last week when I said something about a revelation coming out of nowhere in this episode, I meant the episode after this one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> even before writing this email, I was having trouble recalling this episode existing. This episode is... Uh, another episode for Jonas Quinn, and that's fine. It tells an interesting story with some humor and a few twists, but it's ultimately forgettable. Nothing of interest comes from it except for the revelation that Nequadria is not natural and maybe we can make it ourselves someday. Yep, yep. Brent, four chevrons for an okay story, plus one for a proper Jonas Quinn uh, episode. Five yeah. total. <laughs> Five total? No! <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Zach will give it four and a half chevrons, but only because he probably knows this is mostly meta plot irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. Uh, you know, we, 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 we were even harsher. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, and by the way, Brent, we mm-hmm. have an email from Twitter saying somebody logged into our Twitter account just recently. Yeah, that'd have been me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good to know it works. Good to know yep, the security yep, works. Yep, yep. Um, so those are our predictions. Yeah, uh, thanks apparently, everybody. Um, neither one of us ate a really good bagel for breakfast, and no, we I were didn't. harsh. I didn't, I didn't either. Have a bagel. No. I, I had <laughs> I had an everything croissant, which was not as good as an everything bagel. No. And then I did no. have a slice of uh, chocolate banana bread, which was really yes, but it's not a bagel. See, but not a bagel. Right. So, all right. There you go. All right. Well, Brent. Yeah. The time has come when we turn our attention away from Fallout and to the next episode. Mm-hmm. And when we have talked about a Fallout, the only thing next is to talk about the Chimera. Okay. What? So that's the name of the episode. Chimera. Oh. <laughs> okay. Chimera. Sorry. Uh, that, that didn't work so good, but that's okay. That's okay. That's right. That's right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Chimera. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. It is a world that is occupied by inhabitants that cannot communicate in any other way than storytelling. It's very peculiar, but extremely interesting. Of course, Dr. Daniel Jackson is enormously interested in this, and of course, Colonel Jack O'Neill is enormously not interested. However, they are... Uh, immediately understanding that there seems to be something that is a problem on this planet. It seems that they are alluding that alluding to the, to the reality that they are currently battling a terrible monster. Now, of course, our team immediately think that they were talking about uh, a ghoul. And so they stay interested in this planet. They, they go to the council, the high council of the planet. And of course, it's just a bunch of, individual standing up and telling stories and it's making it a little bit frustrating and hard to follow because it's stories within stories however they are they are asked to participate 
in the creation of a story that asks other worlds for help in fighting this monster. Okay, all right. How interesting. And so they sit at the table and they start to develop the story. And one says, I know, let's have a favorite character come back. And another says, that's a great idea. How about we have some kind of peril from his home planet? Wonderful. What could we do that's, a, that's the peril? I know, let's have an unstable element that they cause the instability. Oh, that's a great idea. What else? We can have bickering uh, 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 Congress people with that. Oh, that's fantastic. That's also like prudent. Or it's, it's, it's timely. It's, it's, it's tying into real life. Yes. And we can have the person be a magnificent hero who is betrayed by his love interest. Betrayal of love interest. I love that. What else can we put in here? I know weird technology that they suddenly have to be able to solve the problem. That's fantastic. But who built it? It was the per It's the love interest. The love interest. The betrayal? Yes. Wait a minute. How can we make all this happen? We can't, but we can just gloss over it with bad storytelling. That's wonderful. Let's keep going with this idea. Oh, I know. We can have the betrayal have a result in death. In death? Yes, in death of the betrayed lover. Oh, no, not the betrayed lover. The betrayer. Yes, that's even better. Wait a minute. Let's not have the death of the betrayer. Let's have them come back. Come back? Yes. Why not? Of course. And then the final twist of all, they were just possessed. Possessed? Of course. And then you can have the death the possessor oh my goodness is so great everything is so wonder wait a minute we don't have a good story here we just have parts join us next time for stargate sg1 where you don't have a whole animal you just have parts chimera see where i see what i did there uh, uh, are they just rehashing the previous episode then for this no they're creating the previous episode for this <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and then oh. setting it loose on the countryside, and it is a disaster. <laughs> so, so this is the episode when we go all meta and we enter into the writing room yes. of the previous episode. Yes, yes, it's a send up of what they just did. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I, got it, I, got be, I got it. I got it. I think it's going to be a bit of a comedy, a bit of a send up. Um, you know, um, I think that that is theoretically a possibility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like Schrodinger's cat. The answer is both yes and no. It's both, it's both alive yes and, no. and dead okay. until we watch the, the the promo. That's a great point. We could. Who knows what's going to happen when I hit this play button? Uh, David knows. David knows. <laughs> David knows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, I'm going to hit play. On the next Stargate SG-1. New love interests. Oh, hey! I see him. Okay. Romance. Wait a minute, that's Osiris! Exercise. <laughs> Romance. Explosions. Awkward silences. <laughs> Stakeouts. Huh? Sex. Okay. Oh. All this and more on the next Stargate. Wait episode. a minute, David. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh wow. Okay, I don't even know. Like, David was more cryptic with his thing than I was with mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, all right. 
So, I don't know what I'm in for, but it'll involve stakeouts and explosions and romance and sex and pump and iron and uh, all this and more. All that and more. Don't forget the awkward silence. Oh, yeah. Awkward silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yep. Uh, so that is our next episode, Chimera. And if all goes as planned, we will be talking about that next week. Yes. And uh, yes, thank you very much, David, for putting that yeah, promo thanks, together David. and all the promos. We love them. And I, I honestly, I, I thought this was, was really good. I liked this one. <laughs> um, I, I liked the cryptic quality of it that just kind of throws Brent off a little bit. Oh, it works. I, I, I it don't works. know what I'm in for. Yeah. Yep. I, I, who knows? Yep. Uh, so uh, tell us what you think about uh, Fallout. Where did we get it right and wrong? Uh, if if we said something that if we were too harsh, you could let us know that, uh, you know, but uh all that stuff. Uh, you can, of course, email us and Twitter us and Facebook us and Discord us and, and all of the things. Mm-hmm. And with all of that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.